uh, I just want to ask you before I yeah. flip the table or turn the table. <laughs> not, I'm not going to flip any tables yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you say something that rubs me the wrong way. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shelf a few comments that I've had ready. <laughs> Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Don't Tell My Grandma, the only podcast where we actively discourage calling your grandma on weekends. In this episode, we discuss about cultural homelessness, identity, and what are TCKs. We also talk about the little joys of every day, flipping tables, and why Wendy is a giant. Pull a seat to get cozy. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Don't Tell My Grandma. And we apologize for the long break, the yeah. long intermission, and we owe you a the next episode. So here we are, yeah. making it happen um, after a tough past few weeks. Yeah. We're finally us, getting back, yeah, yeah, getting back into it and, you know, giving our circumstances, it's... Yeah. Kind of hard to squeeze some of these things in, but we know that it's good for us to have the outlet and yeah. to also provide you with something fun to listen to and hopefully some quality content that you enjoy listening to during yeah. these tough times. But we have some new changes that we want to share. That's right. Juan's been working very hard. We've both been working very but hard. But you've been... Very, you've working very <laughs> diligently on producing um, a new logo. Yeah, not just a, a new logo, and a change a new of brand. brand. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we changed our brand name from the original Universally to A Journey for Wisdom. That's so right. we're really excited to share that with you. So please check out our website and, and you can see know. the beautifully let designed logo that Juan works so hard oh, on. Yeah, let you. us know what you think about it. Yeah. It's much easier to spell and Google. It's much more Googleable. Google, yes. We are definitely committed to, to bring you guys the best of us that we can produce. And uh, we really believe that this was the right step forward for us. And I assume if you're a new listener, you, like you've never really seen the, the previous branding, so that's okay. But yeah, I, I feel like this is much more uh, search friendly. And right. It'll it benefit better. us in the long run for it sure. It speaks better of our mission and yeah. our values and what we want to do. Right. Right. Because at the end, like we're all on a journey, our journey of life, right. trying to find the wisdom to live a better life. Right. Yeah. That's the overall message that we're aiming for and hope yeah. to promote throughout our podcasting yeah. and our blogging. So also want to work more on our blogging as well. Cause we know we've kind of, I especially dropped the ball on that for a while I mean, in the midst of everything, but, um, that's a big update for you. And without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, we've written two posts mm -hmm. Both about very important topics. Right. Uh, one about cultural homelessness, mm -hmm. 
which I feel it's a it's a topic that's personal to me, but it's something that I feel a lot of people will feel identified, especially now. Now that with you've researched it, you you kind of felt like you were alone in feeling that way, but yeah. it's really not the reality of yeah. it. A lot it w- of people feel that way at some point in their lives or into their adulthood. It just it kind of depends, especially people like you who have moved overseas. Yeah. Um, third generation kids, yeah. as you call them. Yeah, we should probably define what third generation kids is. Uh, well, the idea of third generation was coined by... Um, I don't really remember. I'll put it in, in, in the description mm-hmm. later. But basically what it means is that firstly, your parents' culture is your first culture. Your second culture is the culture where you grew up on. So mm-hmm. it could be different from your parents if right. your parents come from, uh, they're immigrants or come from other country. Yeah. But then you're, you're raised, you grow up in a, different culture that's right and the third generation is the mix of those two so you create kind of your own mm-hmm. uh, a blend or a blend kind of, of yeah. you define your own identity exactly. with the environmental factors that you yeah are raised up yeah and so around. a lot of people that grew up on that uh, environment mm-hmm. where you could either just have migrated or your family could have migrated to another country or yeah. they're constantly on the move which i mean some some people have uh, jobs where they have to be traveling all the time that's what i'm trying mm, to say okay yes so their kids their family sometimes they have to travel with their family sometimes their family will stay behind mm-hmm. but uh a lot of kids a lot of people have grown up constantly moving mm-hmm. uh from culture to culture right. and facing that uh culture shock or yeah having to adapt to a new environment that's foreign yeah. and that has created on them a very unique identity and uh, or yeah, yeah. identity crisis like it's yes, a lot of for some people identity crisis yeah. and uh, the they have to build for themselves mm-hmm. this new belonging uh, sense of yeah, belonging sense of maybe belonging. yeah it's they have they have this like resilience to just adapt to a specific culture like if you ask them like w- where do you feel home is and some people will tell you well that's where my parents are mm-hmm. other people will tell you well that's where i live right now or other people will tell you like oh well i mean it was x or y country where i spend mm-hmm. the most time like spend yeah high so school it really varies like like, the, yeah. it's case by case. Yes, yes. And 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 they are usually, and I personally identify with this, um, very malleable mm-hmm. and understanding of other people's cultural um, identities and how, mm. and sensitivities. Mm-hmm. So they will be much more attuned when they move to another country. Mm-hmm. With the the culture and the the changes, the delicacies, the small things that otherwise would be kind of like rude or difficult to assimilate. Like when you come uh, from a Western country to an Asian country to the Eastern country, it's it's very difficult to assimilate right away. All the things, the minute changes 
in behavior and things that you have to be aware of. And for a lot of people, like who have been living their lives in in one place and they only know that one thing, they won't adapt. They won't. They will feel like this place is very hostile and this is not where I want to be. But third culture kids are much more adept. They tend to be right. Yeah, that's right. Is that how you felt when you came to Japan? Because Japan is. It- is like no other culture that you or I or most people have experienced. So even like preparing for this kind of culture when you come from a Western civilization, Western Western culture, um, is really hard to do if you have no context, no uh, experience in other Asian cultures that might be slightly similar to this culture. Yeah, I feel like I didn't have much of a problem. Mm-hmm. I feel that when I was preparing myself mm-hmm. uh, to come to Japan, when I knew, like three or four months before coming, I I did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm On not, what aspects? Uh, in, for the things I, I was just trying to be very careful not to break any norms or, or mm. be disrespectful and stuff like that because I knew it was very different mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not claiming to be a third culture kid um, but I was very accustomed to going to different places where people mm. think differently and you mean before trying, coming to Japan right so I mostly traveled to the states and mm-hmm. traveled to Central America and I've met a lot of different people. So I was very comfortable with uh, that clash, that like distinction that people would have, like understanding other people Mm. uh, and uh, trying to be sensitive. Cultural sensitivity, emotional. That's right. So I think I was prepared in some way, mm-hmm. but um, throughout my youth, I've, I was exposed in one way or another, very small things like consuming their media, consuming their written art Who's, and stuff like that. Whose media? Japan's? Japan's, yeah. And Asia in general, mm-hmm. uh, where I, I had some sort of idea of what, what I was getting into. And I mean, I'm going to be honest there were a lot of things that I wasn't ready to, uh, but again, I feel that I did a great job on that mm-hmm. in that regard. How about you? So you mentioned, um, uh, I just want to ask you before I yeah. flip the table or turn the table. <laughs> I'm not going to flip any tables yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you say something that rubs me the wrong way. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shelf a few comments that I had ready. I just wanted to ask you, since you don't, you said that you don't actually identify as a third culture kid. Right. How, when did you start feeling a sense of, um, I guess the need to belong somewhere, but you experience this void of not fitting in a certain culture or fitting in in a place? That's a very good question. To be honest, I never really identified with my own culture. Mm -hmm. 
by my own culture, I mean my my mother culture. Because the thing because of the things that I was exposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that my parents were absent throughout my um, upbringing. My upbringing, right? Uh, but they had a lot of responsibilities. And I myself had a lot of responsibilities with my um, siblings. Mm-hmm. I am the, the oldest. Right. So I was in a very unique circumstance where I had to learn quickly how to adapt to my culture and to also entertain myself mm-hmm. and uh, stay sane because, boy, that I had a lot of pressure. So mm. I I had, like I said, a lot of exposure to media, to... I, I was a very precautious kid. I was reading a lot and I was also watching a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I remember very vividly is we had a specific channel uh, where 24 hours, it was just repurposed content from Japan Mm -hmm. that was broadcasted in that channel Mm -hmm. with dubbing, of course. Right. But it was mostly just like documentaries showing different areas of Japan, like what you would find in a uh, tourism kind of... uh, Pamphlet or show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sometimes like some science stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Really, really interesting stuff. So I've always... A wide array of content. Yes, yeah. So I've always had that... um, curiosity to visit that magic place that i saw on tv mm-hmm. because it was so contrastingly different right, right right and from there on i started like okay um i want to read more about this place and of course i was exposed to uh cartoons and animation and i saw a lot of th- things that are like this does not look like the looney tunes but i like it mm-hmm. and Later on, I started researching and learning that it was not produced in America. Even though, mm-hmm. uh, the dubbing was great. Like it was, it was great, great content. And uh, long story short, basically, yes, I was constantly exposed, directly or indirectly, to not only Japan but like Asian, Eastern countries culture, mm. and I felt comfort. In, the, in that. So the consumption of media yeah. is what kind of triggered this longing in you. Right. This yearning for something different outside of your own culture. Yeah, yeah. In a way, yes. And also, I think that I've had a lot of other experiences where I felt like this doesn't align with my moral compass. Like You mean... Things that you consumed in the media or no, 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 things that you experienced, things that in, I experienced your in native my, culture. Right. Ah. Uh, so yeah. I like yeah. things that Can you give I an felt, example of that? A lot of the undertone mm-hmm. of the Caribbean ca- culture. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm not trying to, to like trash it or anything. No. I'm just saying that um, there's a lot of focus on that kind of like lavish well, that maybe that's not the right way to word it, but the generation that I was growing growing in mm-hmm. had a lot of preoccupation with admiring idols and very people that were not the right like 
um, heroes for the right. Right. Uh-huh. So very surface level, superficial. Yes. Superficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of uh, people wanted to be either baseball superstars or sports superstars mm-hmm. or gangsters or mm. politicians because that was the only thing that a lot of people saw as successful. Mm-hmm. Having a nine to five job was either too boring or too unsafe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of people felt comfortable just with that. And I, I always had that like desire to strive for more, mm-hmm. to pursue a a mission. Like I, I had yeah. a desire to not only better myself, but help other people better right. themselves. Right. So that just didn't align with what I was exposed to. Like right. was either in my culture is either you become a nine to five, get married, have kids, and that's it. Or you become a criminal or a mm. politician, which sometimes it doesn't have a lot of distinction. And mm. or or go to the major leagues if you have the right genes. Genes? Jeans. <laughs> if you buy, if you buy, if you if buy, you write, if you buy, if you buy Levi's, Gap, Levi's, the right jeans, the right brands, <laughs> you're in. Yeah, because baseball players they always wear jeans when they're on the field. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I guess, I guess that's like not long story short. That's basically what it is. I just didn't feel like this identifies me. You didn't want to. I did not identify with them. Right. And you didn't see yourself just going into the safe traditional yeah. role of being That's the provider right. popping out a few well you wouldn't pop out the children <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be honest yes i did i did envision that for myself but not in that way okay i feel like i i was maybe dreaming too much but i also mm. felt like hey if you don't dream you're never gonna you have to have a anywhere. vision yeah right like what 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 does the saying say? Like, aim for the moon. Shoot for the stars. Shoot for the stars. And yes. You, and if you reach the moon, both. yeah, right? yeah, exactly. If you something. reach the moon, it's still something, right? So, right. yeah. And is, I'm not saying also that like, oh, I saw myself as a hidden Japanese that was born in in Dominican Republic. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I I never I never claim to identify with right. Uh, Eastern culture either. I just feel like I, I have to, I have to make my own identity, and that's what I'm working on. And you happen to have a connection to yeah. a different culture, which was yeah. a Japanese culture right. through yeah. media. That's right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you came here with the intent of assimilating, or even you know maybe trying to understand. The culture. I'm sure you wanted to put the effort into um, getting to know the culture better, but not right. adopting it as your own. Right. 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 And like, I, I don't. We didn't bring this topic just to talk about myself. I, I feel like it. We should also make sure yeah. to mention why I wrote about that. So, in in these very difficult times where we're having a lot of division and. Mm-hmm people struggling to see other people's points of view yeah. and, and how they feel victimized and celebrating dif- differences too yeah. we need to 
arm ourselves. Uh, maybe arm is not the right. Educate. Yeah, educate um, ourselves and also unite. Yeah. Unite. And understanding our differences and yeah, people like third culture kids mm-hmm. are ideal to make those bridges to bridge those gaps. That's yeah. 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 Where they can be the conduit to having the conversation because right. we are more much more attuned to understanding other people's sensibilities. Right. And uh, it's not only about like oh the dif- the difficulties or the differences mm-hmm. the the rift in between people uh, from the same cult, uh, country or culture. Sometimes mm-hmm. like there's a lot of especially there's a lot of problems now with. Uh, Asian Americans and how they're seen in mm-hmm. in the states and right. um, African Americans right. too, and all these people have their own pains, their own suffering, all the things that they're going through on top of everything that's going mm-hmm. on in the world mm-hmm. with Corona and everything. And we should try our best to understand each other, even right. though. This 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 is a very painful time. Yeah. But it's a time for healing, at least right. the start of healing and yeah. um it really emphasizes the fact that there are a lot of people out there who really don't feel like they have landed in a place that they can actually call home that they can feel like they belong there. That's so right. it's it is really causing that division. Right. And um, people who have been born, you know, generations, like their grandfathers were born in the U.S., but maybe their uh, great-great-grandfathers and grandparents were slaves. Yeah. Like, they've been in the U.S. for so long, but yet they don't feel like there's, a, that they're welcome there. I think there are more people than we know who exhibit these feelings of the sense of cultural homelessness. Yeah. Um, I definitely have experienced it at a younger age because I'm adopted and I didn't have a lot of um, connections to my native culture. Yeah. Uh, I had some exposure through occasional events that I think I mentioned in previous episodes. But um, aside from that, I was really lost in like which way I should go. How should I feel about being Chinese? Um, Especially how should I feel about being Chinese American in a little tiny border town bordering Mexico? I felt like the black sheep in the whole town and it wasn't a good feeling, but it was something that I... Uh, went through when at a young age so yeah. now I've kind of accepted all of that is um, the path to finding who I am yeah. to becoming myself and embracing who I am yeah. so now it's less of a an issue that um, weighs down on me it's more of something that's like oh yeah this is you know this is what makes me me and I enjoy standing out more now it's kind of weird being in Japan because you feel like you're a number. And especially now that I am the majority, 
It's a first time feeling for me, just kind of blending in with the crowd. Whereas being in Arizona or being somewhere in the US, it's not always that way. You kind of stick out more, which isn't, it's kind of a good feeling sometimes. I kind of miss that, to be honest. Especially being here now, you can feel Mm -hmm. more like, oh, I'm regular size, not a tiny Asian (laughs) little girl. Yeah, you're, 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 I'm big. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm towering a big girl. over people. <laughs> yeah, it, your case is very particular because mm-hmm. not only do you grow up in, like you said, in an environment where uh, you are the minority, mm-hmm. extreme minority, because you were maybe the like one person, less than one percent. Yeah, of for sure. Oh, at school, for sure. Yeah, less than one percent. <laughs> but. Arizona already is a multicultural mm-hmm. well, uh, as state. is a lot of other states in the u s right right right, right. but you already you already have that kind of uh, environment where a lot of people had a mixture of identities mm-hmm. and uh, they embraced not one but two or maybe three different cultures and it was just mm-hmm. a mixed. So I guess that kind of helped you to like, yeah, feel like, like it's okay. I went to a, I grew up with some, you know, Hispanic knowledge or experience because right. I had a babysitter who is, who had really became more like a grandma right. to me. And I, through her and her family gatherings and being a part of her life, I felt that just because we look different didn't mean that it was a different way of defining family for me. Right. And it really comes down to who is in your life and who makes you feel welcome as opposed to what location. That's what I've come to accept and love even about my experience. Mm-hmm. Being this quote unquote outsider, yeah, um, feeling that way and learning to grow up really flaunting and um, realizing the advantages yeah. of having the experiences Sorry that I've that, had. <laughs> so I'm grateful. I'm really grateful, but I know that it's hard because for you, it's different. It You're having these feelings come up at a later stage in your life so yes. they're much more fresh I yeah think. i mean i wouldn't say i started feeling like that like later in my life mm-hmm. i felt different mm. early on okay uh but it was more or less like like psychologically different than uh, physically yeah yeah i blend perfectly with right because it's your native culture people from yeah Right. Uh, and I want to clarify something. Like I, I, I know we didn't do it in the beginning, but the idea of cultural homelessness comes from the fact that uh, usually third culture kids have a difficulty to feel, or rather, to assimilate ownership, to to embrace ownership of a particular culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They sometimes don't feel col- uh, comfortable assimilating or calling their parents' culture as their own or the culture where they grew up. Right. They usually have so many different views and uh, they have a cognitive dissonance in, yeah. in, their, in their brains of like, 
I I know I grew up seeing these things happening, but my values don't align with those things. Mm -hmm. So they would usually grow up feeling like this is not where I, this is place this doesn't is not I, really this doesn't me, represent me, right? And I want to move to X or Y. Or there's sometimes like in a concert, constant pursuit mm -hmm. of a place where they can feel like this is home. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. doesn't come easy because it's, yeah. like you said, a constant search. Right. Uh, this constant longing for something that they haven't felt fully. Yes. Um, but that's okay because you take bits and pieces of different yeah. cultures and I know that it is a painful feeling to have because I've experienced it and still sometimes do definitely. Yeah. Into my adulthood, I've experienced it as well, but it really is advantageous in that you have all of these perspectives that you can use yeah. and carry into, yeah. um, different places yeah. and different cultures. So yeah. you, you're more adaptable. Yeah, and it definitely helps you in so many different areas. And I, mm -hmm. I know we've mentioned a few, what, but like usually third culture kids are very good leaders. Mm -hmm. Usually th th third culture kids are very good uh, therapists. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Anything that requires like dealing with people. Yeah, third empathy. Third culture kids are usually more, yeah, empathy. Right. Third culture kids are more... Um, attuned. They're more yes. comfortable working with that. Yeah, and I mean, it comes also with its detriments. Oh, of course. Among among one of them is like, of course, feeling the feeling of like I don't belong anywhere or right. Usually, I'm not enough. I'm not yeah. blink enough. Yeah, yeah. And like, some people do develop their own sense of belonging and identity like right it's not that i feel japanese but i made my own home here mm -hmm. that kind of feeling right mm -hmm. my home i was i built it with like i have my circle i have my right. people that i feel are my family right i define who yeah. i am yes. without letting my culture define me exactly what without having geog geography define yeah. me um, and especially like the actions and the the things that a specific culture or government or whatever mm -hmm. does like you don't have to feel like that identifies yeah, you yeah like there's you can disassociate from that yeah. too which is you know very important in times like these yeah. it's like yeah i'm american i'm sorry <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want people to feel like they have to feel sorry for being X or Y. You don't have no. to. It's fine. If you want to fully embrace your culture, which like we have friends who do, yeah. like they are ready to wave. Like yeah. they have their flag ready yeah. in their room. If there's yeah. an event, they're going to whip that thing out and march it all over Tokyo right. when they have the chance, which is fantastic. And I really, I love that. Yeah. Just like I love friend. that pride. But it's not something that I felt before. Just like our friend Chelsea uh, yeah. from our previous episode, right. she was so proud of being where she's from. Right. And uh, she doesn't I, hesitate to yeah, educate people doesn't. and to show her pride. And we had a really interesting conversation about that because I, I totally didn't identify with that. Like, mm -hmm. 
I am really surprised that you feel that way, even though we are, let's say... Good friends? Good, Not only good friends, but like our cultures are very similar right, in some ways. Right, right. Um, True. But yeah. Do, do you feel that being exposed to uh, this culture, the Japanese mm -hmm. culture, or the, the, the Eastern culture, has helped you feel better about your origin? Like, close some... Oh, uh, gain some closure. Closure, maybe. yeah. Um, well, part of the reason why I decided to come to Japan and live here was because I wanted to um, get closer to my original, to my um, native culture. Right. Even though it's not Japanese, right. it's more similar to what I grew up yeah. with, right? So... <sighs> I think I, th my intent was to gain some closure, was to become more educated. Yeah. Um, and I definitely have done so. Yeah. But do I feel closer to Chinese or to the Asian customs, yeah. culture? It's hard because I feel like the longer I've been in Japan, the more I feel like an outsider yeah. in some ways. Like the I'm more totally I, the more I know, I totally <laughs> it's like, okay, the too. more I feel like, okay, I really yeah. don't belong here. Yeah. And it's, it kind of took me a while to get here because I tried, I actually did try hard to almost assimilate. Like I, I felt totally. kind of as if it was my duty. Wow. Because I worked in a Japanese environment. I mean, I totally understand that when you're work, like, right? you, you're a visitor, you're a guest. Right. You should at least make the effort. And to, I look the part, right? Yeah. I look. A lot of people think that I'm Japanese, and you know, I'm obviously Asian. So there are certain customs that people expect me to follow. Right. At a glance, yeah. whereas they see another foreigner, and they may not like have that expectation. Right. Um, so there are things that I feel like ashamed to do, like eat on the train, you know, like if there are people eating on the train, I'm like, I'll look around and notice people are looking. You're like, guy, guy jeans like, match. <laughs> guy jeans match. Guy jeans smash. <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah. Smash. Smash match. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's something that I needed to do, that I yeah. wanted to do. And now that I'm here, I've been here for over three years now. Yeah. Um, I realize that I'm so grateful for my upbringing and yeah. not having to be raised yeah. in an Asian culture, especially a very traditional one. Because yeah. it would have been very limiting as far as the opportunities that I could yeah. have taken, the path that I had taken yeah. in my education, in my yeah. choice of suitors <laughs> i mean i we would definitely not be here doing this if uh, i <laughs> it would have been so interesting to like because i know you mm -hmm. but like the truth is have you had a different upbringing you would have been a different person oh yeah so i don't know like would you have been inclined you know to like me? look outside of your own culture for a suitor, as you call it. 
my night. I maybe I would have had what? that. You, it, this girl ain't need so no nights. <laughs> She's her own night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But if I was, you know, if I was raised in traditional Chinese culture, I probably would have been raised to think that I needed one. AKA a rich fat Chinese man who fat <laughs> a rich Chinese man that's probably yeah. overweight. I'm not <laughs> let's make sure like we're not in, in, saying that all rich Chinese men are fat. <laughs> but when you watch but some wealth, stuff you I mean kind of see that everywhere I'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, um, I, I always say that you're bringing, it's so interesting and I always want to know your perspective on so many things because Thanks. not only do you have your wonderful parents who, uh, are amazing people who, mm -hmm. They themselves are a very unique, uh, yes, uh, very unique uh, couple and very unique individuals, too. Yes, and uh, they raised these two beautiful Asian ladies to be uh, not only like independent and individuals but also a reflection of themselves because you know mm -hmm. this, this is what happens with parenting that's right and you've also made you've also made your own persona your own personality mm -hmm. with all the people that you've been exposed to mm -hmm. from different cultures that's uh, right not only in the states but also you've been traveling or right had i've the opportunity i've to had travel. exposure to people the in europe yeah. and south america and yeah. asia and you make friends so easily so it it's it's great. all those trips to the bathroom that's when the magic happens <laughs> that's right that's right hey it, number one or number two if there's <laughs> anything three. you get from this episode is <laughs> when you go to the bathroom Always pass that toilet paper. Networking. Get that. Yeah, that's where you get that new job. Except not now because, yeah, you know, who? <laughs> the, the C virus. word. The C word. The virus. The virus. Yeah. But I know, I know that there are, like, I've met friends. I have a friend now who I haven't talked to about. Um, the situation but she commented on one of our Instagram posts yeah. um, on cultural homelessness and she yeah. said like this is me to a T this wow. is how I feel every day it's like oh that's a conversation to be had because yeah. you know sometimes you can feel so alone in your thoughts yeah. and disconnect that you feel like oh it's a me problem this is yeah. me like i something's wrong with me even you might go to that extent yeah. and it's really not it's very common and um you know people can deal with it in different ways and sometimes they can reconnect to different parts of their identity to their 
parents' culture, and other times they don't want to have anything to do with it. And I wonder how how must that feel to a parent, to parents? Like my child doesn't want anything to do with the culture that we come from. That must really hurt. Yeah. But it's also something that's very natural. It's not uncommon for that to happen, especially when they immigrate. Yeah. I mean, hopefully parents would want their kids to be individuals with their own desires and like let them be mm. free and do whatever they want, you know? Well, that's, I mean. <laughs> and feel any way they want. But yeah, I, I understand like, yeah, they would probably liberal, feel bad about that. Really progressive minds but not a lot of people think that way and some people who uproot their families to Mm -hmm. have better opportunities are just trying to put food on the table maybe it's not their first choice to immigrate to the u.s but it's a better life and for their children to reject their native culture must be a really big blow and it might take time to accept yes it happens a lot because like you said the reason, number one reason why people immigrate to other countries is for a better life, for opportunities that otherwise they wouldn't get, be right. able to give their kids. Yeah. And usually, families that immigrate mm-hmm. when their kids are very young, before they have been, they have been born, mm-hmm. um, those kids—that's the only culture they know. Right. That's right. And as much as their parents are trying to keep that identity in the house uh they just they have no control of what the kids do outside and what the 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 school sometimes you like they only they can't put them on on a school with that culture too although sometimes maybe that's really hard so sometimes these kids just grow up not feeling like they will, they will immigrate to America and they feel like as Americans, even though they come from the Philippines, for example. And uh, they would just feel that, no, I, I am this and my English is like perfect American English and they barely speak the, the language at, at home, mm. uh, Filipino, right? Tagalog, yeah. Tagalog, yeah. So not only do they not feel a sense of pride for yeah. where they come from originally, yeah. they are also trying to reject their family's traditions yeah, right. in order to protect themselves, especially in you know public schools where there's not a lot of diversity, right. and you're trying to you're trying so hard to fit into this mold yeah. um, that you know when you're a, your school age it's yeah. not really a great thing to stand out yeah, yeah. taking smelly kimchi or what have you you know yeah. something that's different that has a yeah. distinct smell that you know yeah. totally is the anti peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get looks so it's yeah. like man then you look back a lot of people look back on it there are adults who say into their adulthood man i had the i got it good when i was young like i was bringing gourmet food to school every day and all these kids were eating these nasty white bread sandwiches or like uh uh, buying school lunches made out of if if you grew up in a in a family (laughs) where 
your mom was always there to prepare you breakfast mm-hmm. every morning so mm-hmm. you, for you to take. Oh my God, you're And so not lucky. only breakfast, not Pop-Tarts. Yes, yes. Not, not sugar and not like, cereal. Like fries and pizza veggies, as they right. call it, even though they're not veggies at all. But... Um, what? What are those? Fries? Well, I mean, in, in some places in America, in school especially, uh, fries and pizza are considered vegetables. What? Really? Yeah. Okay. So, so when they build the menu or mm-hmm. the, the diet for for the, the kids they put these things like pizza hut or mm. mcdonald's and it's like you have to eat a certain amount of vegetables a certain amount of mm-hmm. meat or they try to like oh like the food pyramid yeah something like that and in the vegetables part you see like fries and pizza i see right <laughs> right as if it's a replacement yeah not a replacement like literally vegetables Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be an American cafeteria move. Yeah. American, American cafeteria move. <laughs> oh my God, they're doing an American cafeteria move. Sick moves. Uh... Anyway. But yeah, the, the, a lot of kids in that circumstance would probably feel a lot of resentment. There's a lot of shame and resentment. Yeah. Because, towards their families, towards their parents, even yeah. though their parents are doing the best they can. Yeah, those kids usually feel very uncomfortable because, like this new culture where they they're trying to not only survive but thrive, right? Mm-hmm. Because like uh, growing up, being a teenager is a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. You're very susceptible Teenager to the idea. or any stage the, the, of childhood, right? Yeah, you want your peers to see you right. as like... As an equal. As an equal or like see you like positive, like yeah, adore of course. you in a way or follow you. And if you're different... You're one of the pack, you yeah, know, you want to be a pack member and you don't want to stand out too much because standing out is weird. Uh, it makes you a freak. Yeah. Um, it's just not seen as a good thing. Yeah. But it's no one's it's no one's fault. It's not the parents' fault. They're doing yeah. their best and it's not the kids' fault because they don't know any better. They just want to have a good experience at school. Yeah. So it just sucks that that's the way it is yeah. in a lot of schools across the US. Not only the US and probably a of, a in a lot countries. of other countries as yeah. well, right? I yeah. know it's a big issue in Japan. Yeah. To wave your I mean, there. I know like a very few, maybe one student who was actually um, very excited about sharing her culture that was her non-Japanese yeah. side. Mm-hmm. And other people really took to that mm-hmm. and embraced it because she was, she embraced it so much. Yeah. So maybe if we had more people like that who were very yeah. confident, it's just that during that I, age. I think it, that's too much to ask. It is. For teenagers. It is. It takes a special person and a lot of confidence at that stage in your life. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of um, education around building up that diversity, embracing, celebrating the diversity from a young age that it's looked at as a a negative, a flaw. But don't feel bad. Uh, Like, we understand their struggle. And uh, it's not going to be forever. Nothing lasts mm-hmm. forever. And 
you will eventually benefit from the fact that you are basically the marriage of two different cultures, sometimes very mm -hmm. contrastingly different. Mm -hmm. You will have a privileged, a privileged position mm. in terms of a lot of things, not only yeah. uh, career-wise, but um, emotionally, you'll be a stronger person. Right. You'll be a wiser person. Right. And ultimately, it's going to make you a better person. Um, And a good resource to yes. others. If you need, if it, if the problem is really uh, difficult, mm -hmm. always reach out to, uh, reach out for help to like psychologist or um, anyone you feel comfortable talking with. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully you'll find, like I did, either a source of strength in mm -hmm. other cultures or whatever you feel identifies you or right. it's more close to the identity that you feel it's you. Mm -hmm. And you'll find some sort of like... Role model. Role model. You'll right. find a good role model. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really and, important to yeah. have someone to, whether you know them or not, just yeah. someone that you can look up to yeah. and say like, oh, I don't, I don't feel so alone now that yeah. I know that this person has gone through similar experiences. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's very important to understand you don't have to always be in the conflict of like, Oh, like my parents are putting pressure on mm -hmm. me assimilating and becoming part of their culture. Mm -hmm. And my peers are demanding or asking me to be also part of their culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's always a third choice, which right. is making your own. Right. Making your own. And if you feel that sense of homelessness, of like distance and just reluctance to accept mm -hmm. the, the bad parts, the, the issues, the, the things that you don't feel align with your, with your core self, mm -hmm. you can always remember that you're an individual and that you can make your own space. That's right and I think a lot of a lot of that relies on the connections you make with people rather than places rather than with traditions um it's if you choose the right crowd yeah. to be around you can feel like you're at home no matter where you are. That's right. That's what I have chosen to rely more heavily on rather yeah. than associating my identity with certain mm -hmm. kinds of I don't know food or yeah. dress what have you um that's just something that uplifts me people yeah. uplift me and they make me feel um important and appreciated for who I am that's right Hope you enjoyed that discussion about cultural homelessness. Um, I just wanted to kind of wrap up and talking about something outside of the topic that we were on today. And that is, how are you dealing with, um, what are, I should say this, like what are the little joys that you have been looking forward to during this time, especially yeah. since the, the heat wave 
um, is rolling in this yeah. August in Japan and it's just becoming blistering hot. What are some things that you are doing to keep sane or even things that are just helping you wake yeah. up in the morning feeling more fulfilled and excited? Yeah, yeah so we've been... I guess I should speak for both of us. Uh, just speak for yourself. Oh, okay, I'm going to be an individual now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's how we came and that's how we go. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, I've been especially particular about, I want to say it that way, I've been reading a lot. Mm -hmm. I've been reading a lot because I feel it's a great way to invest your time mm -hmm. and in this kind of situation where you really don't have control over uh whether this um uh lockdown mm -hmm. i would say we're not on a, lock on a lockdown but we feel the weight of going up like we don't want right. to expose ourselves right so we have no control over that but we have control about of how we spend our time mm-hmm And I've been reading a lot. I've It's been, a great escape. Yeah. I've been working out, mm -hmm. trying to build a good uh, schedule mm -hmm. and solidifying my Trying to get those gains. <laughs> solidifying our my cornerstone habits. Okay. Or I guess that's, that's the term, right? Habits are... Mm -hmm. uh, important including changing yeah. shifting our schedule to an earlier one getting up earlier right. going to bed earlier right. feeling more on top of our yeah. day yeah. by doing those two things and just feeling energized overall yeah. having a morning is really yeah. nice it's been yeah. great to have the fresh air outside when we wake up and go outside right. for a little walk in the morning, yeah. um, being able to have more of the day. Yeah. These are all things that has helped me and, well, helped us mm -hmm. uh, get a better uh, grip on our day. Right. Have more productiveness and right. a sense of accomplishment. Right. Yeah, so that's basically what I've been doing and how I've been uh, adapting. Mm -hmm. So uh, how about you? How do you feel that uh, your life has changed and how you've been adapting and making changes in your life? Mm, I think the schedule change has helped a lot in that I feel like I have more time to accomplish things throughout the day. Um But there are a lot of little things along the way that I have forgotten to do, like take time to go to an onsen, which I'm really lucky to be able to access. Yeah. Um, public bathing is such a popular thing to do in Japan, and it was, you know, shut down for a while because of the lockdown. But now that um, companies that onsens and other places are adapting yeah. to the measurements taken to prevent um, spreading corona. Yeah. Uh, it is a luxury that I'm able to um, take advantage of. Yeah. And I love treating myself feeling like I'm going on a yeah. mini vacation yeah. and taking a hot bath and yeah. just giving myself that time to relax because there's not a lot of times where I just allow myself to relax, which is something that uh, I want to work on 
but it's not something that my schedule always permits. And there are also a lot of little things too. Like today we went out for sushi and I can never complain when I have a belly full of great sushi and come back home to frozen mango in the the freezer. And an AC in this super hot day. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like, oh, we don't have any ice cream or popsicles. Like, oh, but we do have frozen mango. That's great. Which is a much better option. It is. It's killer. So just little things like that and, you know, using books to escape as well. It's a great one. Reading Michelle Obama's Becoming has been really uplifting and just a great time for me to unwind, um, look forward to hearing more about her experiences and uh, taking myself out of the situation at hand or the, you know, the mundane tasks has been a great way to get myself to focus and be more present. So yeah, just little things like that throughout the day are something to look forward to no matter how big or how small, how much you have to pay or whether it's free, just, Give yourself something to look forward to, and yeah. that's how you get through. Yeah. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you joining us in our wacky, unprofessional conversations. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with your sophisticated grandma. We won't tell. Keep being awesome. <laughs>